Welcome, friends, to Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. I am your host, Curtis Kopotic, and I am joined by my co-host, Amber Brown. And today we got a little mix-up. We're having a conversation with Andy Acacian and Rachel Beck. Andy and Rachel bring a combined over 10 years of experience on-site working with clients and their employees as injury prevention specialists. They bring a unique perspective as they both come from the traditional athletic training setting. That's right. And so we're looking forward to this conversation and how they talk about the mindset of early intervention and how it changes your long-term perspective and the long-term outcome for the health of your employees. We'll discuss three leading indicators that kind of tie together with that early intervention. And then there's one additional piece that you'll kind of hear as a theme throughout. So listen to that and we'll be sure to highlight that in our post-interview chat for you guys. So here is our conversation with Rachel and Andy on early intervention. want to get a quick little background from both of you. Andy, you've been an on-site provider and your educational background is in athletic training. Can you compare and contrast the role of an athletic trainer traditionally and an on-site injury prevention specialist when it comes to maybe athletes versus employees? Yeah, for sure. So I was kind of traditionally trained as an athletic trainer, spent a number of years in the college setting working a variety of sports, football, baseball, basketball, et cetera, and then made the switch over to the industrial setting about six years ago with Fit for Work. And I think one of the key differences between the traditional sports setting and my role as an injury prevention specialist is as an injury prevention specialist, I really get to focus on prevention. That's one of the six domains of athletic training. And as an athletic trainer in the traditional setting, there's so many things happening. You're kind of fire hosed and it's tough to focus on prevention. Whereas uh, with my role with Fit for Work, I really get to focus on prevention and preventing uh, employees from becoming patients. Well, that's a really interesting point. And in that, what is it about you think that? makes us, you know, the setting of athletics, not so much prone to prevention from what most people would say, oh, isn't that an athletic trainer's responsibility? What do you think prevents that from being the case? I think it's the nature, it's the nature of the business in the sense that most of the time in the traditional athletic setting, there are more athletes that have issues going on than there are hands um, in the athletic training facility. And so just by the nature of numbers, you know, you end up being reactive and trying to kind of manage and triage more issues. Whereas uh, in the industrial setting, you know, we can have times where, you know, because of overtime or work volume, you know, we are kind of shifting to reactive. But our focus is getting out on the floor and preventing injuries, learning jobs, understanding what's going on, working with people's behaviors, really keen on those three leading indicators, early soreness, bad behaviors, and ergonomics. So I think it's really a product of the setting, if you will. Now, Rachel, you come from a similar background when it comes to education and athletic training. But so what are some of the uh, types of clients that you have worked with over the years? And what's been the overall response from employees that you've uh, been meeting with on site? So my time as an injury prevention specialist with Fit for Work has been spent exclusively providing services to one of our road construction clients. 
So the cadence of the construction industry looks a little different at different times of the year. Let me paint that picture first. So our, our workload slows down in the winter and as do injury rates. And then the workload ramps up really quick, really fast in the spring and summer. So injuries are highest as we ramp up from that winter into the spring, as well as at the end of the summer when people are tired and fatigue has set in after that long season. So employees in this particular industry feel supported as healthcare resources are available for them at work. And that might look different uh, at different facilities. So that could be a visit at a plant location, a specific road construction job up in the mountains, or that could be a phone call. I've seen many benefits of those on-site injury prevention services because I'm able to work with employees while they are on the clock. And my goal is to help reduce their lost time away from work, which benefits both them and the client. So for example, I had a few years ago, there was an employee who fell off a ladder and this injured employee was sent to the doctor. They got x-rayed and nothing abnormal was found. So the employee was sent right back to work. And then the next day, the client called me and requested fit for work services because the problem was not fixed. The employee was still in pain and they weren't able to perform the jobs that they normally were performing previous to the injury. So I came on site provided the care, and that resulted in the injured employee's pain being alleviated 80% by the end of that one visit alone because hands-on care was provided for this injured employee. So we've gotten a good background from you guys and how being an athletic trainer can help out on site and then also some ideas of what clients look like. Andy, can you speak to early intervention? You know, you, you talked a little bit about the three leading indicators, but what does this you know, mean to you as an on-site provider and maybe to some of the clients that you serve? Yeah, I think when you think about early intervention and specifically for fit for work, keen on those three leading indicators, right? The early soreness, the bad behaviors, and the ergonomics, we're able to kind of intervene before an ache or pain or even an injury occurs, right? Before somebody would even think to kind of follow through all with their employer's reporting procedure, before they even know that they're hurt, right? Fit for work providers are there providing OSHA first aid care, working with them on their behaviors, looking at the ergonomics of their workstation. And so it's really this kind of multifaceted approach to taking care of issues before they become issues. And so it's the best of both worlds in terms of being able to provide care in a variety of ways to people that perform physical tasks in every way, shape, and form all day long, right? Longer than any athlete that I used to take care of. Practice was two hours long. And now the employees I work with, it's eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours, you know, five, six, seven days a week. In that sense, you know, we're able to intervene in those issues before they even become issues, right? Before an employee even thinks, oh my gosh, I'm hurt. The fit for work provider is there addressing those concerns. And Rachel, when it comes to the, the mentality of early intervention, I mean, you brought up an interesting story. There was a, a case 
but they still receive some form of early care, if you will, instead of just letting them linger and being stuck in the dark. How do you think people being left in the dark or left on their own when it comes to an injury like this, how does that negatively affect the mentality of trying to get ahead of an injury? Great question, Curtis. So I think that a lot of times people don't know where to start. And that's the biggest thing. Myself coming from the ed- an educational background, I think that's a key piece of how I try to interact with my employees my clients on a day-to-day basis is I'm providing services. Yes. I'm helping them fix the problem. Yes. But I'm also teaching them the educational components so that they can also take responsibility and control of their own health. And so as long as they know what's going on, how to fix it or who to go to, that may be me or that may be a referral to the doctor. I'm able to help them through those different steps. A quick break in our interview to talk about safety compliance and something that's also cool is on-demand safety compliance. So what do I mean by that? Fit for Work understands that no one professional can house all the necessary areas of safety knowledge and skills needed to keep your facility and organization compliant. We also understand that in addition to budgetary constraints, uh, the need to be compliant is not a one-time thing. This is why in addition to our core per-project consulting services, we also also offer very affordable safety subscription services to allow your team to have an ongoing partner in safety compliance. Whether you're just getting started or improving on a more seasoned safety program, our experts are here to provide compliance solutions that will both prevent injuries and improve productivity. Get a hold of us by visiting our website, wellworkforce.com, and clicking on Connect with us to learn more. I think that's a great point that you bring up, Rachel, too, as far as it's not all about keeping something in-house. If you feel, with your athletic training background, if you feel someone needs to be seen by a doctor, you can help kind of help out with that referral service. But at the same time, you know, there are a lot of different injuries, sorenesses, discomforts that as an athletic trainer, you are equipped to handle. Andy, did you have something to add? Yeah. To Rachel's point, there's so much noise out there right now in terms of health and wellness and what what do I do? Do I ice? Do I heat? And to ask an employee to go through and sort through what they're supposed to do, people don't have time for that or energy, the mental or physical energy to go through and sort through and find a resource and know what do I do? Do I trust this piece of information? Do I not? Fit for Work providers offer that resource every day to their clients in an accessible manner, right? Out on the floor, in front of employees who, as we walk by, they're able to flag us down. Hey, I got a quick question for you. What do you know about this? What do you know about that? I always tell new employees during new employee orientation that my commitment to them is there are over 250 other people that do what I do that work for fit for work. If I don't know the answer, I will find the answer for them. And so I think to Rachel's point, being that resource that kind of cuts through the noise and and allows people to ask the question and get an answer that they can trust is super important. 
And it's right there for them. It's not, you know, they don't have to make an appointment to go outside of work, take a half a day, take a full day off of work. Andy, Rachel, you guys just essentially a phone call away sometimes in your case, Rachel, as you are trying to track down some of those road construction crews. But as far as, you know, Andy, you've mentioned a couple of times those three leading indicators is with the early soreness, ergonomics, and then human behaviors. Rachel, can you speak a little bit more as to the human behaviors and the ergonomic side and how how those different areas that you meet with the clients on, how that has helped out some of your road construction crews. So as I'm out on my road construction crews, I'm working with them, focusing on those three leading indicators, as Andy has previously talked about. We're looking at those behaviors, those early sorenesses, and we're looking at the ergonomics. So specifically, to answer your question, to talk a little bit more about ergonomics, I become familiar with those tasks that my client constantly does day in, day out. My crews are shoveling, they are raking, they are climbing up and down ladders, they're climbing up and down equipment. And so as I'm on site becoming familiar with those job tasks, I, as appropriate, jumping in to do some of those things, to shovel with them, to rake with them, and to have that training conversation while those tasks are being performed that's how I can be successful at my job. And so one of the things that I did for my client last year, we made a training video on proper shoveling ergonomics. We did another training video on raking and another video on taking micro breaks, which is an important piece of your daily work routine is that in and of itself will help prevent injuries and sorenesses from occurring. So creating those educational resources for my client was very beneficial and received very well. And we saw a reduction in injuries because of those training resources. Sounds like from your perspective, and I think something that is being conveyed overall as a theme is that if you educate people in a way that they know it's coming from a source of, of relevancy, like people don't want to be educated from those who've never done it. But the fact that we're, you're educating people having done it with them has changed drastically the way it's received and by getting out there. And I think that's maybe a, a message for just general safety professionals as well is, do people know that you know the job? And then are they willing to accept that education? I mean, would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. How can you be providing the care to the best of your ability if you are not familiar with the different jobs that are being performed around you? Always as appropriate. You know, that's how I get, I've seen a lot of success with my client is jumping in and becoming familiar with those jobs. I'm the expert in the human body and the client is the expert on those day-to-day -day tasks. And then together, as we work towards that common goal, that's when we'll really see that reduction in injury. I, I want to tell you a funny story that happened to me. I worked with this road construction company with the mechanic specifically, and he was having to put on this piece that was like a 120 pound axle piece for a wheel to go on. And he's like, how do you ergonomically pick that up? And so I used a lever system. I levered it onto my onto my thigh and I held it in place and I picked up the bolts and I put them in for him. And the look of dumbfoundedness was like, you know, he'd been doing the job for 15 years and he never thought about that. But I, I didn't know what he had to do, but seeing it and then him challenging, you know, and to this day, I, I know that he's really turned a new leaf to the idea of injury prevention. Uh, Andy, have you ever seen that type of change around mentally from individuals when you're able to show them how they can be both fast and effective just with taking a little change in approach? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll answer this in two ways. One, a specific example, just with a screw gun. 
and watching an employee repetitively use the screw gun with their palm down, which puts a whole bunch of stress on the smaller muscles on the top side of the forearm and the outside of the elbow and can lead to kind of your classic, what we would all think of as like tennis elbow type symptoms. And just talking to the employee about that and then talking about them flipping their palm over so their palm is up. And also taking that to the next step and saying that that's not necessarily the right answer all the time, but just recognizing that there's a different hand position that they can use when performing that job task and that they're able to now balance that stress and their body's able to handle that task a lot better. Their body's able to recover and we've reduced the risk of that repetitive elbow tendon irritation that can occur over time. So that's a specific example. I think from a a step back view, as an athletic trainer, my job is to watch how people move, watch how people behave, watch people's kind of movement tendencies. And we did that with athletes when kind of our classic training and in the traditional setting. And it's very similar in the industrial setting right? Not everything we do is completely different. It's very similar in watching how employees perform job tasks, watching what the tendencies are within individual employees amongst a group of employees performing a similar task and figuring out, you know, what that tendency is going to potentially lead to and what changes can we make so that we kind of mitigate the risk associated with some of those tasks. And even just an example too, Andy, instead of just the hand positioning on that screwdriver, I've had the instance where instead of going from a pistol grip type of a screwdriver, an inline screwdriver not only saves on the elbow and wrist issues, but also on the, the shoulder issues, which I'm sure that you've come across as well. Yeah, absolutely. For fit for work, it's not just one piece of the puzzle, right? It's not just the soreness. It's not just the behavior. And it's not just the ergonomics because those individually only get you so far. But when you combine that as fit for work providers do, you really get all of those components addressed in one interaction. And it's really a complete package. Well, I think that that's a great summary to our discussion today. So thank you so much, Andy and Rachel, for your expertise and for coming on our podcast and talking about how early intervention can help prevent injuries. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Right. I really enjoyed the uh, the conversation and just the mentality of taking a different approach that it's never too late to intervene early. It only becomes too late when the person no longer sees you as an option was kind of my takeaway that whether you're intervening before the injury or even early on and have, let there be continuous checkups, that form of communication changes people's perspective on injuries. Definitely. And, you know, the key that I hinted to in our introduction today was education. I saw that as a theme throughout. And both Rachel and Andy gave examples of being on site, watching those employees doing those tasks, and then being able to educate them, whether it's on a better, different tool to use, maybe some different human behavior techniques, like Andy gave the example with the screwdriver. Rachel gave examples of shoveling. Even those examples that Rachel gave, 
those are things that people can take home and do on their daily chores tasks as well. So not only protecting them from injuries on site and when they're at work, but when they're doing things at home as well. So great talk today covering pieces of early intervention, early soreness, ergonomics, and human behaviors. Definitely. We want to thank you for listening to this episode of Workplace Injury Prevention, a Fit for Work podcast, where we are bringing the power of prevention to you. Please like and subscribe wherever you listen. And to get started preventing injuries, please visit our website, wellworkforce.com. And remember, prevention improves lives.